Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Super Slow Zone, a premium wellness and exercise studio located in the United States, Turkey, and Colombia. The three companies that power the engine of their global growth Super Slow Zone, Super Slow Zone Institute, Super Slow Zone Technology and E-Commerce, say that five times fast. Through the Institute of Director London, England, she worked with companies throughout Europe and Latin America. As the marketing manager of Borland International, it grew to 10 million in gross revenues within 10 months. But more importantly than all of that, let's talk about her three dogs, her three Yorkies, Marshall, Bella and Dixie, who go everywhere with her, and they make everyone so happy. You can only imagine. I had a Yorkie once, and they're just a happy dog. And, you know, the thing that I noticed about dogs, like my yellow lab, they know nothing about this pandemic. They're just happy. Please welcome today. I'm very excited to have our guest, Madeline Ross. Hello, hello, Dr. Gary, dog lover, as well as I am. I just can't help myself. I've had Springer Spaniels. I've had a Yorkie. I've had a Beagle and now a Yellow Lab. So I've gone from big to small to big again. And they're just happy. They're just good to be around. They 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 remind us what's important. So Madeline, let's go back in history and let's get some history about Madeline and your path and where you started this journey of yours of leadership and engagement and, and business that now you're as the founder and CEO of Super Slow Zone, which I can stumble over all of those companies. That <laughs> I thought I did that very well. Yeah, you know. You did. <laughs> so start from the beginning, Madeline. Go back to the beginning and let's talk about your leadership journey. You know what pops into my mind? I grew up in Texas and Oklahoma, which are great places to be from. I remember the first time I worked at age 12 and I had to pay for my uniform out of, what did I earn, $2.30 an hour. And I figured out how many weeks it was going to take me just to pay right. for my uniform. And I was like, oh, wow. So that was very important. Another one is my dad was an oil corporate executive, but he had a business in his garage. And it was display stands for specialty objects, and they were out of brass and et cetera. So anyway, I went to him one time and I said, hey, dad, is there another way to make money other than by hour? Because he had other workers there and they were just going, they were like, dun, 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 dun. They were so slow, Oklahoma slow. And I said, it just doesn't do any good for me to have this very high quality production, but I don't get any more. He goes, well, now that you asked, and he wanted me to ask, peace work. Mm. How old were you when you asked that question, when you started to realize there's got to be a better way than working 13. by the hour? I was 13. You were 13. Okay. Summer job, yeah. yeah. And it was so cool because 
I loved the workers, but I thought, man, I'm really good at what I'm doing here. And I had to use, oh, and another key thing there was I used a a diamond drill bit. And he said, you break it, you pay for it. Mm. And the first one you did, man, you learned how not to break that drill bit. They were just fantastic. And then when I jumped forward to working for the IOD, the Institute of Directors in London, I love working in all these different countries. Just fantastic. And we would take companies for a year. We had performance metrics we had to meet. Oftentimes they had just been acquired or we came in after the merger, et cetera. Back up for a second, because this is new to me, the Institute of Directors. Explain to me what that is. Okay. The IOD in London is the original boys club. That's the way Mm -hmm. to look at it. When you walk in, you have, I don't know how high, three-story high paintings of Churchill. I mean, Mountbatten, you name it, okay? Mm -hmm. And Tony Blair, prime minister then, wanted the UK to become entrepreneurial. And so the best thing to do is hire some Americans (laughs) and put them out there on behalf of the IOD into different projects that were typically a year long. And it was just fantastic. I mean, I got to work with the senior executives of Ritz-Carlton in Cannes, France, when the Ritz was trying to figure out we're 100% leisure travel, right? Mm. These people want to connect to the internet in a true leisure traveler, very high end. You don't work, right? And not only that, it was dial-up. (laughs) that's going back a few years yes the point is we were trying to help them figure out how to address the changing demographics of people who work and want leisure and have money to spend at the risk but anyway the bottom line is out of all of that i decided i wanted to build something that i cared about that was long lasting. And it comes to me as I imagined a tombstone out there in the future with my name on it. And I can do that because of Texas and Oklahoma. And I wanted on it to say she did good. And I wasn't going to do that unless I left a legacy helping people who want to help themselves. So Mm. that's what, you know, the impetus to go out and found my own company. So here you are working entrepreneurially with these different businesses. You yeah. see your dad working as an entrepreneur. Yeah, although he was also a corporate executive, yeah. Right, he was a corporate executive but on the side. And I can imagine that part of the reason he did what he did was because he wanted to create something he could yes. see. Yes. Right? With That's his hands. He liked to create something. Yes, right? you got it, 100%. So he did that to kind of take care of his artistic side. Yes. Right? And you were working in the business world. And now you have a premium wellness and exercise studios. Mm -hmm. How did you go from the business world into exercise and wellness? Well, I'd always been, I always moved. So I was a long distance runner. Ah. I would run an hour a week, six days a week. That's how I stayed sane. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I biked. I did African dance, African drumming, yoga, you named it. So I was always moving. And when I was working for one of these companies, a friend sent me an article out of Vogue that talked about a strength training method called Super Slow. 
And so I hunted it down. Turned out the guy who invented the super slow method was in Orlando. I was in Orlando at that time using it as an airport to fly out of. And I befriended him, started doing it. And slowly but surely, I remember thinking, gosh, I could take this and position this in a way that I think way more people could get at it. So I worked to evolve the exercise method, all the services, the brand positioning, because it's positioned as a professional service, not a gym. And then I got it accredited by an organization called ISAT, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I want to say, because, you know, Dr. Gary, if you imagine a DNA double helix, except if it's got eight strands wrapping around, Mm -hmm. it's oftentimes the intersection of those strands that you find the gem of what you're looking for. So one gem was how much I like to move and be physically fit and healthy. I was a vegetarian starting at 12 in Oklahoma, and I'm 65 now. So that's the way back machine. (laughs) And there's international travel and work, which I absolutely loved. There was entrepreneurship. But there was also my parents by 22, my parents had died. And then I helped their parents go to end of life. So by 29, everybody had died. And my mother had a terminal illness and cancer. Anyway, there was a lot of trauma. Mm. So I got to see frontline what happens when you're not healthy, not ambulatory, not having a full deck. And I think that was one of the strands that helped to motivate me as well. I wanted a different future than a terminal illness. You watch them die because of a lack of health, a lack of wellness, a lack of exercise, all of these things that you were already committed to. Yep. To me, there's a combination of both moving towards this pleasurable outcome of being healthy and moving away from the pain of not being healthy. So that's what drove you into this entrepreneurial world of wellness and fitness, right? Yes. Yes. And people will say, you know, do you have a degree in fitness? And it's no, uh, you know, it's English literature, environmental physics, and then all of these unique things I've studied and continue to study so that I can craft it into right now, three companies. Yeah, you make a really good point about the intersection of these helixes. Yes. I don't know how else to say it, but <laughs> and it reminds me, there's a book out there that talks about this called Blue Ocean Strategy, mm-hmm. where, you know, instead of being in the red ocean of fitness, you're in the blue yes. ocean where there's a combination of factors that people can look at and say, this is exactly what I need. So my guess is that your brand is not for everybody. No. No, we're not. No, in fact, I just, right before this chat, I was presenting to a leading orthopedic surgeon in Turkey and then his wife, who's a leading geneticist. And when I toured them through our brand, their jaw was dropped, you know, afterwards. They were like, wow. Now they already know our brand because they walk into studios in Turkey. We have 20. But to really see, you know, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. <laughs> the woman behind the curtain. Let's yes. make sure we get this right because yes. this is not a good old boys club. Yes, exactly. The point is we 
serve. We have two kinds of clients, really busy people who've never exercised or haven't in a long time. They're 40 to 85 plus, but they're a general exerciser. They have common sense has taken over <laughs> and they need to do something. Okay. They need to build muscle and strength. And then the second type of client is medical exerciser, and they have one or more of 52 medical diagnoses or health conditions. So you can see we've got top performing ER docs, moms that feeling a little tubby wubby because they've had their third kid, busy people in their 70s who are still working because they just love what they do, people at grocery stores that are checkout, you know, running the checkout line. So we have the whole enchilada. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is right from the beginning where you worked as a marketing manager for Borland and all these other companies with the uh, IOD is that plus your entrepreneurial drive, plus your commitment from a very young age as a vegetarian, as a fitness person and running, you put all that together and you created this business or these businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about leading those businesses though. How did you move from this hourly worker at 12 to piecework? Okay. (laughs) And then the next level as an entrepreneur now is getting other people to work for you to generate revenue in an area that you have a passion for. Yeah, big passion. As you talked about this medical doctor and his wife, the person behind the curtain is really the person with the passion that they'd never seen before. They see the product, Mm -hmm. but they never saw the passion and they got to feel the passion from you. So how do you find people to have that passion with you? You know, what's the process you go through to have uh, franchise owners and people that work with you that that this broad, expansive business that you work with now? How do you find those people that have that passion? That's got to be hard. Well, it's strategic. Okay, that's what matters. And I have an ability to take massive creativity and critical analysis, thinking, problem solving and blend them. And that's why I have the best job in the world, because I get to swing. Because the doctor and his wife were swayed by my deep passion and my developer, Turkey. They just adore her. She, she's brilliant, right? But when they got to see everything in the U.S., the technology company, the Institute, you can imagine he's one of the top professors in Turkey as well as top orthopedic surgeons. When they see the grounded, make it happen, pragmatic, how you're going to learn, how you're going to think, how you're going to help people, along with the joy and the fun. Because if you didn't have both, they wouldn't be interested. And they didn't know. You know, they didn't know what was the lady behind the <laughs> curtain. And so it, I call it the two feet approach, right? Because you've got to have that grounded structure, technology, framework, tools, all of that. And then you've got to have, I mean, everything we do. I just held a client roundtable Thursday, and it was four clients from our location in Sugarland, which is West Texas, West Houston. And it was, I mean, I thought I was floating in air after that. When, when you get to hear what we help clients do, and how they feel about themselves. Let me tell you, one. and of course, you know, one of the things when you're talking, and this was a roundtable, so it was just lots of enthusiasm and joy and talking, but 
they took on the topic that our strength training method, because we actually have five services, but this personal strength training is brief and intense. And they, it's 20 minutes, right? Twice a week. And you have a expert person supervising you and coaching you. And they said, you called it intense. It's hard. And I said, (laughs) okay, let's take that on ladies front and center. Because when most people hear this, most women, if they hear that what you do is hard, they're going to run, you know, la, 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 la. Let's yeah, run. They don't want to hear it, right? Let right. me hear the world around that. And you know what happened at the bottom line is that through the coaching and the care and the expertise of their instructor, they all said, got it down to these fundamentals. Number one, I can do more than I ever thought I could with that help. Number two, it's all in my head, really, because they said each time I absolutely can do it. And then they said the confidence I build from this that then like a stone into water ripples out is just fantastic. And we got there from these four people saying, yeah, this is hard, right? But what I heard you saying, you said two things, joy and fun. I'm going to add a third. I'm going to add a third because you talk around that and it's results. Yes. It's it's joy, fun, and results. It's the process and the approach and all that creates results that people feel an amazing response to, right? And you say to people, look, can you afford 20 minutes twice a week? Come on. Uh-huh. If you can't do that, go home. All right. I don't want to talk to you. I, I can just imagine Madeline with your background, everything. You're like, look, how much easier and shorter can I make it 20 minutes twice yeah. a week? Come on. step yeah. it up. And once you get people hooked because of the way they feel, the results that they get, obviously, yeah. and you expand on that. I want to go back. I got a question for you. How did you find the woman in Turkey? Oh, she read an article in a M&A, a merger and acquisition article about us. And then she contacted us. And, you know, all of my industry advisors were like, no, put a big X on Turkey. <laughs> you know, they'd go, do you really want to be flying to Turkey to try to get your royalties? <laughs> I was like, but anyway, I gave her six months of homework and just fell in love with her and we signed the agreement. And as you know, Gary, there's no legal agreement that makes things work. It's people. people. As soon as you start talking about the contract, the relationship is over because then it's in the court. What I heard you say though, is all of your advisors are telling you, first of all, don't go to Turkey because it's Turkey. Yeah. And secondly, probably with this woman who uh, I said, how did you find her? You didn't. She found you. Right. 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 And reached out to you, which tells me that the message that you gave about this resonated with this woman, just like it resonates with you. Yes. She we're like twin sisters. (laughs) Yeah. And I just love her. And let me tell you, you talk about walking hand in hand with somebody. We talk every Monday and we have been through military coups, bombs, We've had the president unplug Twitter and Facebook. I mean, and yet we still built with her as the lead 20 locations. That's amazing, huh? That's that's incredible. It speaks to going back to your life mission, which is, you know, your your tombstone. She did good. Whatever you do, you just go back to that. She did good. Is this good? Yes. Yes. Okay, let's go do it. So how did you get in Columbia? Well, that the developers of Columbia 
both are fitness enthusiasts. They, the husband was a partner in a Danish flower company, so he ran their Colombian operations. And she moved from a broker, and they wanted to open a franchise system. So they flew to New York, New York City, IFA, International Franchise Association, couldn't find what they wanted, ended up talking to a broker who at the time represented us. And he called, and I said, yeah, let's, let's go do done in a day. Very American, right? You guys get over to Tampa. I'll drive over there. And we'll just go through the whole thing in a day. And then you go back and think about it. Mm-hmm. And then I negotiated the contract. It was so funny. I had a, a director of sales at the time. Huh? And I was negotiating it. And I said to him, you know, this is going to be like watching paint dry for you. And I said, this is a very complex agreement. And I have to say key points three different ways to make sure they understand it. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, he's like, that is so exhausting. And I said, no, it's so exciting because I can see I have all the patients because I can see our brand in Bogota. We've got three in Bogota and one in Berenquia. Yeah. Yeah. So you always begin with the end in mind. Yes. Yeah. Habit two of Stephen Covey seven habits, highly effective people begin with the end in mind. You see that and do whatever it takes to get there. It doesn't matter if you're running three miles a day or, you know, what the end point is. You're looking at that vision. She done it right. And, and I think it's in Texas. You said she did it right. I think she did good. I think in Texas, she done good. I, I think done good. done good. In Texas and Oklahoma, it's done. But, you know, the one thing I want to add, I've learned yeah. over time, Dr. Gary, to nudge me into taking a step or steps. Sometimes if I got too big with the end, I would collapse into the weight of it. But over time, I've learned just start just start and keep taking and then abandon. Like if, if we weren't a fit with this couple, we would have said, thank you very much. Goodbye. But that's what is it? By the inch, it's a cinch. By the mile, it's a pile. <laughs> so Sounds like a Texas cliche or whatever, right? You know, the work that we do in leadership, we try to teach people that it's not the goal. The vision helps you stay on path. The yes. mission, the vision helps you stay on path. But the motivator is progress. Yes. It's that little bit of progress each day and try to make that progress. So tell me, let's talk about one of those times when it got too big and it crashed upon you. Did you come to that realization or did people around you help you see it coming? In the third and fourth year, I had a shareholder lawsuit, which is very tough for a baby company. Mm. And our original investors were one of the princes of the emir of Qatar. And we were doing very well and growing. And I had a feeling that there was going to be an attempt at a hostile takeover. So for all these reasons. So I sued them. They sued me. It got combined in court. (laughs) And long story short, here was a turning point. I had two attorneys, a trial attorney, business attorney. And of course, they had attorneys. And They went down to lunch to all meet. Now, this was at the Citrus Club, which is the best business club here. And, of course, I'm sitting there thinking about two attorneys, two fees, and the lunch, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) God, pain. The only person making the money are the lawyers, right? (laughs) And eating the lunch. So they come back 
to my office to tell me how it went. And they said, listen, they either want to, they want to move you and they want you out. They want to take the company or they want to kill the company. So that's where they are. Now, you really need to think about this because they have more money than Allah through 80% of the world's natural gas. And so I was standing there and I started crying in the parking lot. And they're both looking at me. And Carl, you know, you said, you got to stop. So I stood there and I couldn't not cry. And I said, you have done your duty to give me the best advice you can, which is get out and settle. But what I want you to do is to listen to my mouth and not look at my tears. And that is, I'm going to buy them out. And they're like, now you sound really cuckoo. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I did. Yeah. I bought them out. Like a true entrepreneur, right? Go right for it. They're not taking my company away from no, me. No, no. Yeah. Scared to death one step at a time. And I got help from the CEO of Pizza Hut. He was going to give me 30 minutes and gave me three hours. We shook hands and he said, okay, champ, go do it. And I never talked again. And I went out there and I did it and I bought him out. Wow, that's awesome. I love it. It was really scary. I mean, lost oh, yeah. nonetheless, we did it. And yeah. I even sold during the lawsuit. I sold new franchises. So Madeline, you may have already answered this question, but I always like to finish these conversations off with that final question. If you could write yourself a letter to Madeline 20, 25 years ago and tell Madeline what she needs to hear at that point, or what you've learned over the last two or three decades that you would like to have learned sooner that could help other entrepreneurs, other female leaders, other leaders, what would you tell them? What would you tell Madeline? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to answer it, but I'm going to get at it slightly different. I'm going, okay. to, tell, I'm going to tell the future Madeline because I'm not sure Maddie would have listened, right? She doesn't have the time in the saddle like I do now, but the future Madeline does. And I would say, oh boy, learn to ask for and receive good help. Mm. Sooner, sooner, sooner. And I'm doing that now and I am really good at it. And of course, everything's mutual. So I'm always on the hunt for what I could do to thank that person as well for mutuality. The second one I worked on it, and I still work on it, is learn to listen, 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 listen. The other one is get into networks of people that are diverse that you can contribute to, they can contribute to you, and you have a common purpose Because, oh my gosh, you know, we were talking about the multiple helixes. Mm -hmm. You're just in a soup of ideas and diversity that will seed your garden in ways that you can't possibly. And then, of course, we all know ongoing learning. You know, you just got to make it a lifestyle because I spend so much time learning, but I don't feel like it's, quote, learning. It's just it's just a blast. And of course, take care of yourself. And boy, that is so important. Learn to be still, to listen to yourself, to empty out, as well as fill up. And then the last thing is I've always felt our franchise, I am, I was focused on our clients, the frontline staff, the owners, 
the other stakeholders, and then corporate or me in that order. And I know I will win because it's set up that the winning is a natural consequence of the folks we help or who help themselves winning first. Regardless of what you said after, when you said clients or customers and the front line. Yep. You know, we, we talk about inside out. It comes from the inside out. We've got yep. to take care of ourselves first yep. and then take care of our customers. And doing that together with the front line and your customers is obviously where the brand is. That's where your promise right. is, right? Yes. right there. And that's right there where you learn. You started off by saying to learn to ask and receive, you know, not just to ask, but to receive good advice, good help. I think as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we think we have the answers. We think we know what we want. We have that vision. We know how to get there. But the fact of the matter is we can't know it all. You know, there's no way. And to ask for help. And I have seven statarians that work with me now. And it's a beautiful thing because for me and the work that we do in leadership development, I just have a framework and I say, how do you want to do this? And I've got a PhD industrial psychologist and all these master's degrees, smart people, you know, I created the framework and then they, they just take yeah. it and run. And the results that they get, just like you, like on these, you're talking about the round table. Every yeah. time we do a boot camp and I hear them at the end of the boot camp talk about how this has changed their life. Yes. Yes. Right. You do the same thing. You change yeah. their lives. Mm-hmm. It's so motivating, isn't it? It It is. And, you know, I remember the feelings in my body when I was learning to ask for help. And then to mm. receive it. And, you know, I knew I just had to breathe through it. It didn't matter what the thoughts were. Just keep moving. Keep changing with it. You know, and the other one, Dr. Gary, is to say I'm sorry. That is another. I don't know why that's not in our DNA coding. But to learn how to look somebody in the eye and apologize and say, I'm sorry, and why, how it might have hurt him or offended him, how to make amends. And man, our company is fierce on, on when you mess up, fess up. But that's the other side of saying thank you. Thank you should be in the DNA coding, too. Hmm. You're speaking my language in our seven steps of intentional leadership on building relationships. We have four A's. Okay. And, and the fifth A of the four A's is an apology. Yes. I wrote the book. Okay. And I had somebody review my book and I went through the four A's and the person, this is really great. I love these four A's because it's about, you know, acknowledging the person with their name. It's appreciation saying, thank you. It's, it's affection by really caring about the person. It's acceptance. It's knowing and understanding the person by listening. So the four A's, it was awesome stuff. And this person comes back and says, but you're missing one. I'm like, Oh, no, it's four. It's one, two, three, four. And he goes, no, you're missing one. It's called an apology. I'm like, fifth A, there we go. You know, It just enriches our life to just yes. listen to the perspective of others, doesn't it? Well, it is. And when you said it's an inside job, and, you know, in my opinion, it's all an inside job. And we're all 150% responsible anyway. But the vulnerability and the humility that I feel when I really take in, ooh, I've offended someone or hurt them or whatever, is very important as part of that inside job. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I Full disclosure, I was writing an email today and I was going through this process of writing a bunch of emails to contacts to do my podcast. And I sent this email to uh, this gentleman. And right after I hit send, I realized that I had just talked to him two weeks ago 
And I just didn't make the connection because of the way I was looking at things and I was going through very quickly. I felt horrible. I'm like, no, 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 no. I sent him an email right away. No, I didn't forget who you are. I just, I hit send too fast. I'm really sorry, you know, because I don't want somebody to think that, you know, he's a great guy. And it'd be like talking to you now and sending you an email two weeks later saying, hey, Madeline, are we ever going to talk? And we just did a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's so fascinating because the genesis has to be that that's something I care about and you care about, you know, saying thank you and appreciation and apology. If it's a tip or technique or, you know, whatever, it's just horrible. But when you really let it shape who you are and how you are, I mean, (laughs) and I have to train all staff to do this because they'll want to talk about, they'll make a mistake with something and they'll say it, you know, like there's no performer. It happened that blah, blah, blah. I was like, whoa, whoa, no, I, you're I, I did that. I made a mistake. I messed up. And I will say to people, I failed. I attempted to do this and I failed. Here's what I learned. And here's what I'm going to do differently. And boy, isn't that so simple? Yeah, I think it is simple. And I think that's where we're going to finish this message off today with leading from the front, because what you just said is so powerful for people to just accept personal responsibility. And it's the only time that a leader should say, I, yes, I'm sorry. I take responsibility. I messed up. I failed. And the key to it is this though. This is the key, Madeline, what you said. It doesn't stop there. Because it says, I take responsibility and next time, next time I'm going to do this. That's the real key to what you said. It's really important. So I want to thank you for sharing with all of us, with me, with my listeners, to hear the message that you gave today, Madeline. It's been awesome to just meet and get to know you as an entrepreneur starting out at 12 years old (laughs) and now today running a global company. Well, at least in three countries. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And the dogs didn't bark. So that's cool. (laughs) No, but people might've just heard uh, Bailey walk in. So that's okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Gary. I appreciate it. Thanks, Madeline. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you for joining us again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>